Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You're listening to the Writer Than You podcast. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Happy Tuesday, but especially for you Michigan fans. I get it. Congratulations. National champions. Way to go. Dominant performance. We will discuss it at length over the course of the show. Thank you for being here. We got uh, uh, Mr. Taco Tuesday, Tommy Pretty Daddy Celestino. Good morning, Tommy. Good morning, Bill. Happy Tuesday to you. Yeah, we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. If you want to uh, send something on the old Twitter X thing to Mr. DeCelestino, his Twitter handle is at PrettyDaddyCBS. Minus sports writer, sports R-E-I-T-E-R. We'll get into Harbaugh's future, something he did not want to discuss. Goodbye to the Pac-12. It was not the glorious, ironic, remarkable walk-off mic drop that Washington, and I think probably, hopefully, the members of that former conference had hoped for, but still an incredible run for the Huskies. Uh, we'll get into some other things as well, and there's a rule that I that I generally have, and I've actually engaged in this before. I used to fill in on the radio for a guy named Jay Moore, and you know you like to, you like to bust chops a little bit. Here's a good rule to live by in life, and this certainly applies to Aaron Rodgers, and we'll let you hear the proof of this. Don't pick a fight with a professional comedian. The end. You can't win. You can't win. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel strikes back, and wherever you come down on this issue, it is very funny. We think the Dodfather, Dennis Dodd, CBS Sports, outstanding college football writer, is going to be with with us this morning. But we're going to have to do a little jazz here, okay? Possible audibles, because Dennis was up extremely late covering that game in Houston. And we'll have to get up very early this morning to go to some some exit interviews, and so it just depends on scheduling. We think he'll be here in an hour. Uh, we hope that he is. If he's not, we might throw in, I don't know, NFL power rankings or a criticism of of, of Tom's gift game at, at 4.30 in the damn morning throwing Taco Tuesdays at me. I'm not sure. We'll, we'll see where we go from there. We've got a buy or sell, and we won't spend a ton of time on it, but but some, some gruesome, gruesome is the wrong word, some brutal injuries to two star players. John Morant goes down for the season, and Tyrese Halliburton, we don't have news yet on how long he'll be out, but he had to be carried off the floor by his Pacers teammates. But let's start in Houston with the national championship game. Michigan are the champions, 15-0. What a dominant, remarkable performance, 34-13, I guess tells the story. But they were unbelievable from the very start of that game. And despite the fact that Washington cut the – the score to what twenty to thirteen midway through the game, it never felt like anybody other than Michigan was going to win this thing. And there are several conclusions. One, Michigan is clearly and by far, and it's not even a question, the best team, the best college football team in the country, in the world. They're the champions for a reason. 
And for me, and this has been true all along, there is no asterisk, there is no they cheated, there is no but. No one's going to remember anything except this Michigan team being utterly and totally, remarkably dominant and magical. Quarterback played really well. J.J. McCarthy was was outstanding, and he didn't need to be, and that was one of the main takeaways for me. 174 rushing yards for Michigan in the first quarter. I mean, this was a game of utter dominance. And on the other side of the football, I thought Michael Penix Jr. was going to give Washington a shot. I thought, speaking of the word magic, he had enough in that arm. He was going to be able, having withstood the pressures and the scrutiny and the doubt that Washington, and and that he could be legit at that level, he was going to come in there, he was going to get it done, and, and he just didn't. He'll have his moments going forward. He's an excellent quarterback. I'm not going to sell all the, the Penix Jr. stock, but this is the only big but that I think applies when it comes to Michigan football right now. But Michigan's defense made him look inadequate, made him look like a Juco transfer who wasn't ready for prime time. And that's not a shot at Michael Penix Jr. That is just the credit to that Michigan defense, particularly how how much they hassled and harangued and banged Penix Jr. left, right, forwards, and backwards. And one of the one of the, the key plays that, that just summarized the quality of Michigan's football team and the way in which the Huskies were, were overwhelmed was going into the very, very start of that second half. Washington scores a touchdown at the end of the first half. They get the ball. They receive in the second half. They cut it to a single possession. And it, it feels like... It's 17-10, to 10, excuse me at this point. It feels like, I got that right, it feels like maybe Washington can make a game of it. And they make their defensive unit looks a little bit better toward the end of that, of that start of the game because there was some confidence that was swelling. And Penix Jr. runs onto the field after what felt like a really long halftime so they could give us a bunch of commercials we did not need and throws a, an interception. And one of the only games of the year, maybe the second, in which he had multiple interceptions in what was a stellar, stellar season. And if you watch the, the throw, if you watch the play, he falls back in the pocket. It's a four-man rush. It's not like Michigan is sending six guys. They didn't have to. That defensive line was so physically dominant. By the way, so is Michigan's offensive line. And Penix Jr. realizes he's under pressure and decides to throw the ball to the left out of bounds. But he gets banged a little bit on his throwing arm. Just the pass rush was that good. The ball does a lazy duck in the air. Michigan player bobbles it but catches an interception and basically it was game over and it just symbolized that game and that Michigan team they were so physical they were so dominant they were so excellent even in moments where there was an illusion that's what it was that Washington could compete and in that rare space of time where Michael Penix Jr. clearly believed they were going to win this thing and so did his football team Michigan's defense absolutely and positively put their foot down and said you're not good enough you're not getting it done give us the football it's over it's over and For me, at least, that's the takeaway. Michigan dominated. Washington belonged in that game. But there's no team in the country, not a single team in in, in football, that approaches Michigan's level of excellence. Which is why, for me, and you've got to ask the question. I would have asked a postgame with with Jim Harbaugh. For me, the the cheating scandal, the fact that Harbaugh was suspended twice. Now, the first time, remember, was some silly fight with the NCAA. The second time was these allegations, Harbaugh's suspension, of, of stealing of stealing signs and do it in a way because you're allowed to do it that you're actually not allowed to do it. I don't really care. Again, I think it's jaywalking. Hardball had to be asked. I'm glad the reporter did it, but he certainly wasn't in the mood to discuss at length whether or not this is a legitimate national championship. We're innocent. And, and we, stood, we stood strong and tall 
because we knew we were innocent. Look, they're also dominant. That's the other takeaway for me, is how incredible this football team was down to a man. And one of the things that I like about the college football playoff, and one of the things that I'm going to love about the expanded college football playoff, is you think you know how good a football team is. You think that when conferences play each other and the big dogs in each conference play each other, you get some kind of a sense of the scale. But I'm not sure you do. Ohio State and Michigan is always going to close the gap in quality because that's a rivalry game. Just like every year that Alabama is markedly better than Auburn, to just take one example, you can't look past that game regardless of whether Auburn's down or not. It's these moments, it's these games, it's these paths where you've got teams playing from different conferences, or at least different conferences this season. Next year, that's obviously going to be a different equation altogether in terms of Washington and Michigan. You get a sense of the quality of this Michigan football team and just how good they are. They took Michael Penix, and they turned him into a guy who was 27 of 51. That's a 53% completion percentage. Obviously, that's poor. Second lowest for him this season. He threw those two picks. Washington obviously got the opportunity to get back in the game, and then that interception that turned everything around. Michigan rushed for 303 yards, and there were complaints on social media and various places that they didn't run the ball enough after the first quarter, right? Why don't they they run the ball? They ran for 300 yards, guys. That 174 rushing yard in the first quarter. They had big run plays. You ready for this? This is more than most teams have in a single game of this magnitude. They ran one play for 59 yards, one for 46 yards, one for 41 yards. Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, those are different running backs, each had more than 100 rushing yards. And don't forget J.J. McCarthy. Didn't have to do a lot, the Michigan quarterback. I don't want to call him a game manager. There was a play where he rolled his right under pressure, threw the ball across his body, and completed an insane pass down the field that just, again, hit home. Even when Michigan does the thing that's maybe the fourth most important thing for their football team, that's throwing the football, they're still better at it than Washington was on this night. And McCarthy talked about, and I always say this, the experience of losing and getting close and the almost matters. It matters. It doesn't mean it doesn't guarantee anything, but that pain can be the lesson, the teacher, that gives you the chance to craft your maestro, to craft your opus, to, to, to craft your, your, your ultimate success. And that, to me at least, is what J.J. McCarthy was talking about after the game when he discussed how Michigan got to the very deserted top of, of college football's mountain. We came a long way, but in order to accomplish things like this, you got to go to those, you know, dark places where everything's not great. And, you know, just the response, you know, the urgency right after that last game last year, it was different. I knew it, you know, just from being on the podium last year and saying that we'll be back. I knew the guys that were coming back, and I just I had this feeling that it was going to be where we are right now. And, you know, just all credit goes to, you know, the players on this team, everybody in that facility, Coach Harbaugh. Like, that man, he's the reason we're here today. So just all thanks to him and to everybody on the team. Let me give you just one last. And stats don't tell the entire tale all the time. And I know, Washington fans, that you were close for a stretch of this game. And I'm not taking shots. And I I say this all the time. In a neutral game, don't usually know who I'm rooting for until I I sit down to watch the game and just whatever, whatever subconscious takes over. I desperately wanted Washington to win this game. I wanted a Pac-12 walk-off. I wanted an upset. As much as I love my friends from Michigan, 
Brady McCullough is the guy that I texted. We've had him on the show a few times, national college football writer for the L.A. Times. They're smug, man. There's nothing like a Michigan. I mean, just like some of the nicest people I've ever met went to Michigan, except during Michigan football conversations. So I'm not taking shots, Huskies fans. I was rooting for you guys. I really was. And what you did and what you accomplished is remarkable. doesn't feel that way. And you're probably not going to get the same go-to-the-dark-places-to-come-to-the-top-of-the-light experience that, that J.J. McCarthy talked about because the reality is Michigan, teams like Michigan, are always going to have a better opportunity to turn the close calls into something else because of the depth of their talent and, and the likelihood of the longevity of their program being at that level. Not, not that you won't, Washington. It's just this was a pretty high height for you. But hold your heads high. It was an incredible, incredible performance. Let me close with a stat that just speaks to the domination of this Michigan team and the domination on both sides of the football. Washington finished the game with 301 yards of total offense. Now, that's their fewest since October 21st, a game that they won against Arizona State. 301 yards total offense. Michigan just ran the ball for two more yards than that. So you take the fact that Michigan's running game, which they, by the way, took their foot off the pedal a little bit at the end of the game, or at least after the first quarter in that respect. The running game was more effective for Michigan than the entirety of Washington's remarkable offensive unit. And obviously, when you couple that defensive dominance that Michigan brings to the table and the pressure they put Penix Jr. under and the difficulty Washington had in throwing the football and the difficulty they had in retaining the football and the fact that Michigan went up early, it's really hard to chase a football game when the opposing team's run game, which eats clock, is better than the entirety of your offense. That was a dominant, incredible, historic Michigan performance. 15-0, they're undefeated, they're unquestionably the champions, and uh, as much as they can be smug, folks, and if you're listening to Michigan, you know it's true, it's okay. Probably hung over from the champagne, good for you guys. Congratulations to Michigan. Hell of a season, they deserve it, no asterisk here. All right, if you got to take 855-212-4CBS at the phone number, we're going to push some of the other stuff uh, down the road a little bit. We'll, we'll get to Kimmel and Rodgers and, and the NFL. I still want, I want to say goodbye properly to the, the Pac-12. It's over. And I want to talk about Jim Harbaugh and why it is a guarantee, a lock, as certain in, in retrospect as Michigan's win last night is the fact that Jim Harbaugh will be coaching in the National Football League next year. Mark it down. Why and where he goes. At least our predictions next year on CBS Sports Radio. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. 
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to Writer Than You. I feel like you're a little sensitive sometimes. I feel like, I like that about you. I feel like you've made me this way. <laughs> Buddy, everybody in that building will tell you you were like this before we ever worked together. On CBS Sports Radio. All right, I just want a little confirmation, Tom. Did I not say to you this morning... About an hour after I spilled an entire cup of coffee on my own face somehow. It's really hard to do. <laughs> so mad. Uh, that I was not looking forward to you playing a bunch of rejoins where you feel sorry for yourself. Oh, you weren't looking forward to no, that. No, no. I mean, I think that was the... I predicted with some ruefulness that you were going to, you know? I got several of these ready to go today. Oh, my goodness. All right. We got to get... This is why we need... A board op, so they can just filter past your. You know, you're a sense. You're such a sensitive guy. Can we be serious for a quick second? The Pac-12 was a remarkable conference. It never got the respect that it deserved, in my opinion, nationally, because of the time zone that it was on. Like having lived most of my life on Central Time Zone, and and some of my life in the East Coast, including a few year, years ago in New York. I get it. it. It is hard to stay up for West Coast games unless, like me. Now you are on the West Coast, but it deserved better, and the greed and the avarice of college football was was always going to be unfair and be vicious and be merciless, and I I did not anticipate the entirety of the Pac-12 would collapse before our eyes. It it has, obviously. I I don't really want to belabor that too much. I just want to say, fare thee well, Pac-12. Wishing all of those programs a ton of success. Obviously, a couple of them are um, in no man's land right now. but And it would have been beautiful if Washington won as a goodbye. But in, in some ways, also remember, Washington has a has a safe landing zone. It's not like they need to win a national championship to go somewhere. They'll be seeing plenty of Michigan going forward. All right. Goodbye, Pac. What, you're, you're an East Coaster. You're a lifelong Jersey guy. I'm curious your view of the Pac-12. By the way, I wrote down Pac-2, and I can't even do it. The joke's not funny today because I feel so bad about it. What was your view of the Pac-12 like growing up and now that you do sports for a living? East Coast perspective. I'll be completely honest with you, as I always am. Growing up, the Pac-12 was non-existent to me. Growing up, it was not a part of my fandom whatsoever. Since I started working professionally in sports, I fell in love with the Pac-12 after dark. Give me a great Pac-12 mm. matchup on Friday and Saturday nights. I'm in. It was difficult to stay up for, and if the game got away late, like I'm going to bed. But Pac-12 after dark was a lot of fun these last few years that I've been working professionally in sports. But like I said, I did not grow up with Pac-12 rivalries being a part of my fandom whatsoever. Can I give you a theory why I think the Pac-12 never got the respect that it deserves? Can I give you a, th- a theory beyond the West Coast thing? Yeah, Absolutely. I think there's an insanely obnoxious, and I get it, you, where you live is what you're biased to, toward, right? If you live in Iowa, you're biased toward Iowa stuff, Arkansas, Arkansas stuff. I understand that. That's normal. But I think in our national coverage, whether we want it or not, there's a stupid East Coast bias, and really Northeast sort of New York to Boston bias. 
the Pac-12 resonated with me as a Midwestern kid because I grew up in Big Ten country. And for a long time, the Rose Bowl, which was a really big deal, you know, we were all Iowa fans, was was the winner of the Big Ten against the winner of what is now the Pac-12, right? So I remember Iowa playing USC. Was that Carson Palmer's team? Like in 2003 or something, they just smoked us. I watched it in a dingy bar in Des Moines, Iowa, in a blizzard. And I would rather have been in that blizzard without a coat than the emotional reality of USC destroying us. But But I had this every year. I was... You know, whoever made it from the Big Ten, that was my sort of fandom, my country, where I came from, my part of the country, before I went off to Missouri and became a Big 12 guy. And so I had a familiarity with the Pac-12. And I would, you know, as a kid, a high school kid, kind of follow it loosely because I wanted to see who was going to play, whoever won the Big Ten. And so unlike the East Coast, I had a, a connection to it. I had a respect for it. But East Coasters don't follow the Big Ten, or at least not back then. So it was a double, it was a double whammy. All right, uh, Jim Harbaugh. A fairly well Pac-12. Uh, Jim, it's over. It's done. And what a goodbye, by the way. And they, they didn't win it, but pretty cool they made the, the championship game. I was watching the game last night, and in the first quarter, despite the fact, as we discussed, Washington did cut the score to a touchdown later in the game, as Michigan began to, literally, with, with the ground game, steamroll Washington, it became clear very quickly that those of us that thought Washington could win were dead wrong, myself included. And there was a lot, I don't know if you follow a lot of like sharp money on, on, on Twitter, I do. A lot of guys who are gamblers but pretty serious about it. And there was a lot of conversation about how all the sharp bettors, all the people with money who do this for a living, were hugely on Michigan. That There was a, just a, a golf in class between them and, and Washington. And as that became clear, Tom, first quarter, it became clear to me Jim Harbaugh's gone. Wasn't going to talk about it after the game. Obviously, he was going to come to the podium after they won, which they did, and say, I loved it, Chargers! In fact, and, and I'll let you listen. Don't blame him. He's not going to address it, and you're going to listen to it here. It doesn't mean he doesn't know the answer to the question. He was asked, hey, man, c- congrats. Are you going to the NFL? I just want to enjoy this. I just want to enjoy this. Uh, and I hope you give me that, you know. <laughs> Can a guy have that? Does it, does it always have to be? You know, what's next? What's what's the future? Um, you know, like I said the other day, yeah, I hope I hope to have a future. Um, hope there's a tomorrow, a day after tomorrow, you know, a next week, a next month, a next year. No, you can't have it. He gone. And by, by the way, he's in a great mood, right? The guy's a national champion. Would have been a much, same question would have been asked. Would have been a very different answer if Washington had won that game. He's going to go. And from Harbaugh's perspective, he should go. You have done what you set out to do at Michigan. You have ridden what was a pretty rough start at Michigan. If, if you judge it, if you assess it, which they do there, based on how they fared against Ohio State early on, uh, to a national championship, to, to, to the, the highest you can go. And this is the first one Michigan's had since, I should have looked this up, 97? Is that right? Since 1997. I mean, that is that is 27 years. That is a really, really long time. From Michigan's perspective, obviously you'd like the guy to stay. But I think that when you hired him and he came from the Niners and he had almost won Super Bowls and he was there to stabilize and save the program, you would have taken this. You would have taken Jim Harbaugh making Michigan one of the most coveted jobs in America. When he leaves, and I think it's when, we'll find out in the coming days, I would imagine, maybe the next week. When he leaves, that's going to be a much easier job to fill than it was before. You're not going to have to go hire Brady Hoke, okay, and, and hope that that works out. 
you're going to get a top name. So from Michigan's perspective, I, I think you I think you wish him well. You want him to stay, but when he goes, you understand that he was going to go, and he left you with a championship. Like LeBron leaving Cleveland. You just accept it. Like Peyton Manning, when you trade, you got to trade him in for Andrew Luck, right? But when he went off to Denver, and Colts fans rooted for him in Denver. Like, you know what? We Thank you for what you gave us. I think that's Michigan's perspective. From the NFL's perspective, I'd be a little more cautious. From the National Football League's perspective, I think there's two ways that it can go. Now, there is certainly a track record of people coming out of college who have had, this is the big, big, big caveat, who have had previous NFL experience and being remarkably, remarkably successful. Pete Carroll did not succeed in his first NFL stint in New England. Had great success at USC and has been remarkable with, with Seattle. That's the model that, that you want. That's the model you want to follow, and it's the model I, I think you can follow. The thing about Harbaugh is he rubs everybody the wrong way. He um he's a control freak. The thing that makes him great makes him really bump heads with with the people in his front offices. And so if you're going to hire this guy, you're going to have to understand that he's going to approach his organization the way Bill Belichick does. And that is a bad comparison today, but I think in general, he's going to be in charge. And you're going to have to give him the power over a player personnel person and hope that he doesn't get in his own way the way that Belichick has, the way a lot of these coaches do, by not deferring, even though he's in charge, to some of those decision-making realities. Because as a coach, he's exceptional. And really, as a quarterback whisperer and guru, he's exceptional. But you want to hire Jim Harbaugh for for five good years, not for one or two good years, and then the ego and the politics and the angst and the frustration and the personality conflicts get in the way. So as you go through the jobs that are open, and there aren't many, which pisses me off, by the way. Why aren't the Bears on this list? Fire Matt Eberlews. All right. The Raiders are a job, and I'm, we'll get to whether they're good jobs, but in terms of fitting the unique personality ego needs of Jim Harbaugh, and that's okay. Ego's okay. It's okay to have an ego. It's okay to have a massive ego if you're this successful, but you have to manage that, right? If you bring in a massively talented quarterback, but he's really short, you've got to work your scheme around that. You do, and if you bring in a massively talented coach and he's an egomaniac, that's cool too, but you've got to work around it. An egomaniac is a catch-all for complicated personality. And there's a lot of them. I work with Tom. He's one of the best producers in radio. But i got to make all kinds of accommodations. It's worth it because he's great. All right, the Raiders. That can work. Because that owner desperately wants to win but clearly can defer to, to coaches and can defer to big personalities. See John Gruden. And I'm just talking in terms of Ken Harbaugh's personality fit into the team. Do I want the Raiders up if I'm Harbaugh? <laughs> there's reports that he's interested. There's not a quarterback. Obviously, Harbaugh's going to be given time. And he's a, he's a veteran kind of guy, so in the perfect world, they draft somebody they can develop, and he, he finds a veteran. All right. There's the Panthers. Reports that they're interested as well. It doesn't it, I mean, it doesn't work on every level. Temper Tantrum and, and Jim Harbaugh, I mean, you might as well put Kanye and Taylor Swift on a, on a two-year cruise together and just wish him good luck. I mean, no, it's not going to. Don't do it. And I don't know, and neither do you, what Harbaugh's evaluation is of Bryce Young. That's the big football question. What does... And that's the other thing, how, and I don't know the answer. How good is Harbaugh? I'll ask Dennis Dodd this if, 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 if Tom reminds me. How good is Harbaugh at looking at the tape of Bryce Young and being able to, in the NFL, accurately see what's there? Because scouting a player is different than coaching a player, and Harbaugh's going to make the right decision on when he goes somewhere what he's going to get. This isn't college. He doesn't, have the, he doesn't have the transfer portal just redo his whole team the way some guys have done. All right, 
Chargers. I mean, it's really interesting because they're such a second-tier team in L.A. that you're so under the radar. I, I think that I think that owner is just like give me a success, and I think it's the it's clearly the best job. I mean, you have Justin Herbert, and you have a lot of other pieces, by the way, especially on the defensive side. But you have a generationally talented quarterback. And what Harbaugh did with Colin Kaepernick was really impressive. Remember, that was he was the guy. He was the he was the guru there. And with all respect to Kaepernick as a football player, he's not Justin Herbert talent wise. So that's the job I would take. Uh, Falcons. Falcons are interesting because they've historically been a really well run organization, but there's just not a lot to like there. They don't have a quarterback. It's an absolute mess. And then the last one is the Commanders, which, by the way, is is Josh Harris, who owns the Sixers, new ownership group. I don't know why Bob Myers is in the mix, but Bob Myers is running the search along with our guy Rick Spielman. And and I actually think, Tom, that's not a... I, Josh Harris seems to be okay with big personalities in a different way. Like, Doc Rivers is a big personality. He's a loser. But whatever, he's a big personality in Philly when he was there. And Daryl Morey is a interesting personality and was sort of controversial. Remember, he, like, criticized China and the NBA got mad and Josh Harris hired him anyway. Right? He'll, Josh Harris will... The thing with the commander's job is that you don't really have... I don't think you have a quarterback. You do have an interesting football team that's more competitive than most are looking for a coach. I mean, I... To me, it's Chargers 1, clearly. But who knows? Remember, it could be a choice between Bill Belichick and Jim Harbaugh. It's a big choice. If you got the pick of... The, if it's not the Chargers, I think that I like the commander's job. Am I crazy? So you're going Chargers one, Commanders two. Kind of like looking at the Raiders, but they're the Raiders. I actually think in listening to you do that, I think you convinced me that the Raiders makes the most sense. And he's not going to have the most success right away. I think that's the Chargers. The rebuild? Yeah, the rebuild and and Mark Davis saying, here, make me a winner. I'll do everything I can to support you. Make me into a winner. And look, what we don't know is if people covet Harbaugh. And maybe they don't. I think they will now. National championships offer a lot of shine. But he's trying to lead before, as best we can piece the reporting together. It's the same question with him and Belichick, which I find really interesting. How do you structure... This isn't the sexy stuff, right? He's the best, hire him. But how do you structure your front office? Because if you put Harbaugh and you put Belichick at the top of the pyramid... They're going to be happier, and I think it's going to be a more sustainable personality mixture within the organization. But we've certainly seen from Bill Belichick, and I think the same will be true for Harbaugh, that they can't be at the top of the pyramid if they won't defer to who works for them in football-related decisions. The perfect example of this is Andy Reid. Andy Reid might be making decisions on, we're going to go get Patrick Mahomes. But I promise you, he's not looking at some linebacker in the fourth round and saying that has he's def- he might have this final say in that power dynamic. I don't know. But he's going to defer. Belichick doesn't do that. And Harbaugh hasn't done that. In his, I mean, that was part of his issue. With the night. He didn't have the power, but he wanted it. So who's going to offer Harbaugh what he wants? And who's going to frame it in a way that, that convinces him but also works? If you hire Jim Harbaugh, and for that matter, Bill Belichick, and, and you, get, you give them the top power, you've got who you hire as their top head of player personnel is critical as much for how they get along with that guy the trust that they inherently have as for how good they are at evaluating players it's got to be both and you can't do a double reporting structure I've seen this where I've I've covered these teams in the NFL where for example you have some GM reporting to Tepper Tantrum and you have Harbaugh reporting to Tepper Tantrum it won't work it'll be a power struggle you like Raiders huh 
I think the Raiders' long-term success, I think it's Vegas. You also get to live in Vegas, no income, state income tax. I mean, if you live in, if you live in L.A., what, what's 11% of, of $100 million? I guess it's $11 million, a math <laughs> wizard, in, ca- in cash. You got to go if you're Harbaugh, right? You got to. This is you got to go. I don't think stick he, around. I think he was going win or lose last night. I do too. This makes it really easy to, to pretend that he wasn't. I would never have left if we hadn't won. What's the worst job on here? I think it's I think it's Tepper Tantrum's team. Absolutely, wholeheartedly agree. It's really hard to salvage quarterbacks. Even Trevor Lawrence is trying to get out from under Urban Meyer dysfunction. By the way, there's no guarantees this works. It didn't work for Urban Meyer. Harbaugh is a different animal. The guy has had Matt. The guy almost won a freaking Super Bowl. Did he lose to his brother? Am I remembering that right? No. Did the Niners? Yeah, I think they lost to the Raiders. You're right. I I was at that game. I covered that game. The guy won at Stanford. He won with the Forty Niners. He's won at Michigan. Like he's he's a winner. He made three conference championships, right? Because I was at. It's amazing. I can't remember the. I've been to too many games. I was at the one in the Bay that they lost. That was such a great game. I can't remember who beat them. Can't remember what NFC team beat them. But Harbaugh had them on the brink so many times. I want to say it might have been Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay who beat them. No, I wasn't at. I wasn't. It wasn't the one I was at. Because Aaron Rodgers beat the Bears in a, in a NFC Championship game mm, to go to that's the right. Super Bowl. That's right. Unfortunately, yeah, so it wasn't. All right, well, it's going to be really interesting. Congratulations to Harbaugh. Congratulations to Michigan. Goodbye, uh, Pac-12. Uh, let's, I, I, I shouldn't have gone this long, but I'm, I'm interested in the idea of Harbaugh and where he fits. Um, don't. So I, Jay Moore is a friend of mine. I think he's married. He's married to Jeannie Buss now, by the way. Okay, good job, Jay. Um, good job, Jeannie. Find true love. I, I once, just kidding around, in a meeting, Messed with Jay Moore. Just get, you know, I, I broke his chops. I busted his, broke his chops? That's assault. I busted his chops, Tommy, the way I do you, and I got it for five straight days on a radio show. Don't pick a fight with a comedian. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel <laughs> goes after Aaron Rodgers next on the show after we get a CBS Sports Radio update from Andrew Bogish. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Writer Than You. I was going to say uh, scapegoat. I almost said scapedog. <laughs> Don't make that my new nickname. I almost changed the entire expression. Don't make that my new nickname. Scapedog? Yeah. I mean, I hadn't thought of it, but now that you said I mean, Pretty Daddy's too good. On CBS Sports Radio. Look at these rejoins. Tom makes everything about Tom. 
Oh, I'm an idiot. I almost said scape dog. <laughs> My nickname, huh? No, man, it's not about you, Tommy. <laughs> it's not about you, pal. You're not the scape dog here. No scape dog here. Scape dog. <laughs> you're funny. See, you're fun. You're a funny guy. You make me laugh. All right, you do. Uh, oh, Aaron Rodgers. So, so it's just the the lack of self awareness in some people is stunning. It's stunning. So, so let me give this to you. Aaron Rodgers spoke yesterday to the media before Jimmy Kimmel let him have a little piece of his own mind on, on, on Jimmy Kimmel's show. Let's start with Aaron Rodgers and sort of the goodbye Jets press conference thingy where Aaron Rodgers demonstrates the ability to think you're talking about everyone else, but everyone on earth actually thinks you're talking about yourself. If you want to be a winning organization, you have to put yourself in position to win championships. Everything that you do matters, and the bull that has nothing to do with winning needs to get out of the building. The exit meetings are important to just get everything on the table that's happened, flush the bull that you need to move forward away from, and then refine your focus moving forward. I mean... Yeah, all the bull bleep that has nothing to do with winning is probably a good idea to get rid of. Like going on the Pat McAfee show and attacking comedians. What what are you what are you doing? And speaking of which, speaking of Jimmy Kimmel, because that has nothing to do with winning, and it's a national story, and it involves a bunch of people, and it's exactly what Rogers is talking about. And certainly Rogers was asked, "All right, uh, cool, good point about the stuff that has nothing to do with winning. Do you uh, plan to address the Jimmy Kimmel stuff?" Your comment on that would be less. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel made a lot of news. Mm. Do you want to address that any further? Do you have any regrets about what you said? Yeah, I'm going to talk about it tomorrow on the show. Tune in. Uh, Alan, you can you hear us now? I mean, <laughs> we're here right now. Can you just... Yeah, check me out tomorrow. I, yeah. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel, if you missed this, Aaron Rodgers um, basically suggesting, I guess as a joke, that, that Jimmy Kimmel was a sex predator in association with 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 Epstein, and um, he's not Jeffrey Epstein. Epstein, how do you say it wrong? Jeffrey Epstein, a name I don't even want in my brain. Uh, he's not. He was not on the in, in the list. And I had people, loved ones, I had a cousin write me and say, "Well, how come Jimmy Kimmel can make a joke about Aaron Rodgers, but Aaron Rodgers can't make a joke about Jimmy Kimmel?" Little context: Jimmy Kimmel last year made a joke about Aaron Rodgers when Rodgers brought up vaccines. And suggested they were a way to distract from Epstein. He was making fun of the absurdity of that of that stupidity. Okay, that the the recourse in return is not to say to suggest to your audience, people who believe this, by the way, including people that listen to the show, that Jimmy Kimmel is a predator. That's dangerous. You got to be careful doing stuff like that. All right, so that's the context. Jimmy Kimmel on his own show yesterday began with a retort and some jokes. Aaron Rodgers has a very high opinion of himself. Because he had success on the football field, he believes himself to be an extraordinary being. He genuinely thinks that because God gave him the ability to throw a ball, he's smarter than everyone else. The idea that his brain is just average is unfathomable to him. We learned during COVID, somehow he knows more about science than scientists. A guy who went to community college, then got into Cal on a football scholarship and didn't graduate, someone who never spent a minute studying the human body is an expert in the field of immunology. He just put on a, he put on a magic helmet, and he, that G made him a genius. It's, Aaron got two A's on his report card. They were both in the word Aaron, okay? <laughs> I mean, wherever you come down on this stuff, and I hope you come down where I do, but wherever you come down, it's fine. That's funny. I mean, it, he's a funny guy. But the thing is, Kimmel actually was angry. 
And let me give a little context, and maybe I shouldn't, but I don't think it's a... This is not a name drop. I, I see Jimmy Kimmel out and about. He tries really hard to live a normal life. A lot of celebrities in L.A. live behind gates and have security. He, he doesn't. The flip side of that is people have access to you, that you're out. And if people think, because they follow some quarterback who thinks he's brighter than he actually is, that you are truly associated with a horrific sex fiend who's now dead, but you were a part of a sex ring and you were a pedophile or you were a sexual predator, that puts you in harm's way. Or your family when they're with you. It's a real thing. And you can hear, this isn't a joke, even though there's people laughing, he's sort of, Jimmy Kimmel is angry. And Jimmy Kimmel had a little more to say to Aaron Rodgers. This hamster-brained man thinks he knows what the government is up to because he's a quarterback doing research on YouTube and listening to podcasts. I looked it up. This is actually a thing. It's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. The Dunning-Kruger effect is a cognitive bias in which people with limited competence in a particular domain overestimate their abilities. In other words... Aaron Rodgers is too arrogant to know how ignorant he is. They let him host Jeopardy for two weeks. Now he knows everything. And by the way, I'm not one of those people who thinks athletes and members of the sports media should stick to talking about sports. I think Aaron Rodgers has the right to express any opinion he wants to. But saying someone is a pedophile is not an opinion, nor is it trash talk. Sorry, Pat McAfee. Jimmy Kimmel's right. And by the way, a little shot of McAfee there. Here's the takeaway. Here's, here's the takeaway. Pat McAfee's clearly more powerful, or think he's more powerful than Norby Williamson, who is an executive at ESPN that McAfee took shots at. But Jimmy Kimmel is more powerful than Pat McAfee. Because Jimmy Kimmel understands, I think, we'll find out, I guess, today, that McAfee can't fire back at, at Kimmel. He can't. But Kimmel can fire at McAfee. And I, I would imagine that part of the reason Pat McAfee, very smart guy, I don't watch that show, but really entertaining. Watching a very entertaining, very entertaining, talented guy. He really is. I, he's smart enough to know Pat McAfee better to have headlines about Norby Williamson, a battle he can win, and that he probably enjoys fighting. Or even if he can't win it, he's not going to lose it clearly. Than have a battle with with Jimmy Kimmel. That's part of what the takeaway is here. Jimmy Kimmel within the Disney, the Big Rat, the Mouse universe that owns ABC and that owns ESPN. Jimmy Kimmel wins. Jimmy Kimmel is victorious. And I'll be really curious if Aaron Rodgers apologizes or says some version of, well, I'm sorry that he was offended. I was just kidding around. But write a fake up, and then they move on. Because if Aaron Rodgers goes at Jimmy Kimmel again, you better get ready. You better buckle your seatbelt. And you better watch Pat McAfee's face. Because I, I would imagine Pat's expectation and hope is that, is that Aaron doesn't add, at a minimum, fuel to the fire. I'm not sure Aaron Rodgers is controllable. What was it? The Dunning-Kruger effect? Rogers also thinks clearly that he's a media genius. You know, and everybody falls into their camps, right? Whatever side they're supposed to be on for their stupid little political tribal reality, that then they have to be like, oh, I, I guess I'm an Aaron Rodgers supporter. Jimmy Kimmel's wrong. Jimmy Kimmel's right here. Let me give you a comparison. Aaron Rodgers is Draymond Green in this Dunning-Kruger effect. Both these guys are massively talented people. And I don't know if Aaron Rodgers is smart or stupid. I've talked to Draymond Green. He's a smart guy. But Draymond Green's not as educated or as smart on some of the things in the university he thinks he is. And I, I think like Aaron Rodgers, Draymond Green has become a celebrity, right? He's become a, not even, he was a celebrity. He's become a media force. And so is Aaron Rodgers. Just cause, trust me, trust me. Just because you have a radio show or a TNT show or you go on the Pat McAfee show does not make you brilliant or right at everything that you talk about. 
and you can lose your way and you can lose your compass a little bit. And both these guys are having trouble accepting that they have made serious errors in judgment. Draymond Green physically on the court, Aaron Rodgers off the field in attacking and, and potentially slandering uh, another famous person. But what's interesting is not the mistakes. We all make mistakes. We, I've done, I have, God, I've made some mistakes on radio. Oh my goodness, embarrassing mistakes. You apologize for them. You accept them at a minimum. I apologize for them. But at least internally you have to say, I, I screwed that up and I don't want to do it again. Problem is with guys like this, who, who like Kimmel said, think that they're better at things than they are. Being good at one thing doesn't make you great at the other. I'm really good at tennis. That does not make me able to dunk a basketball. Some of you would argue host a radio show. I get it. They have lost their way. I'll be curious if Aaron Rodgers has found his way back on that show later today. And I hope Draymond Green, when he comes back, has found his way back. But man, arrogance, real arrogance, like right, like out of control, egomaniacal arrogance is corrosive to everything, especially to yourself. I made a, a Kanye joke earlier. See Kanye. Don't become that guy. Don't do it. Be Taylor Swift. Better outcome. Have some self-awareness, even in your strutting self-assurity. All right, let's keep it rolling. We think the Dodd is joining us next. Dennis Dodd talks some college football magic for Michigan and a great run for Washington. That is next here on CBS Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 